This is a Holy Baptist Church podcast, bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome, lives are changing, and Jesus is King. Thanks for listening with us today. We would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us. But for now, we pray you enjoy listening for what God has in store for you in this episode, and that it helps change your life for the better, in Jesus' name. Enjoy. Good morning. Um, I'm Helen. And I'm Richard. And welcome to joining us on HBC Online. Uh, Whether you're joining us live, whether you're watching us on Catch Up, or if you're listening in my favourite way, on the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, then you are very, very welcome uh, to with us this morning. Uh, A little bit later on, Martin's going to be speaking to us um, on the fourth in our series, I believe. Yes, the fourth in our series (laughs) um, of The ninety. Um, so looking at actually the life of Jesus over these first 90 days of uh, 2024. And today's going to be on the New World Order, which mm. sounds a little bit Star Wars to me. It's a bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I'm really excited to find out what it's going to be about. So let's remind ourselves what this sermon series is about, uh, the little video. In just three years... Jesus changed the world. He transformed the way we think about religion and created a space where everyone was welcome. In the first 90 days of 2024, we are going to look at those three years, following Jesus through his most significant events, conversations and encounters. So, as we journey towards Easter, let's create space to not only learn about the historical Jesus, but also meet the risen Jesus. Good morning, lovely to see you. My name is Martin, in case you don't know who I am. I'm the past, one of the pastors here. And uh, yeah, we are carrying on our series uh, where we're looking at Jesus. We're spending the first 90 days, 91 days, looking at Jesus. And we're doing it in two parallel things, as Dad's already explained. We have our sermon series, 90 going through uh, every Sunday, something from Jesus's ministry, Jesus's life. But also we're encouraging people to read through a um, series of Bible readings called Essential Jesus, which will take us up to Easter and a little bit beyond. Uh, And where we just, at the moment, who's put put your hand up if you're doing this? You can do it digitally, you can do it on a hard copy. There's quite a few of you. Excellent. Thank you. Oh, it's brilliant. Really good uh, number. I've still got one hard copy of the book in case you are able to access the digital version. I've got that. Um, and we it's been a bit hard going these last few uh, week or so because we've been looking at prophecies and things like that. But um, we're going to stick with it. I'm looking forward to when we get to the stories. So they're a bit easier. Uh, but it's I just really hope this really helps us prepare uh, for Easter. And Easter will be even more special for us because we've spent this time looking at Jesus together, because Jesus transforms lives, and Jesus is the answer. Um, I, that, I just want to, I don't really do this, but I want to make a film recommendation to you guys, because Jen and myself watched a film last night, 
called The Jesus Revolution. Has anyone seen this film? Oh, Dennis has seen it. Anyone else? Oh, Sandy's seen it. And um, basically, it's a film. It's um, you, you can rent it. I watched it on now on now cinema. If you, you've got that, but you can probably rent it. Uh, and it's uh, a film that looks at the story of the spiritual revival that started amongst hippies in the late '60s and early '70s in the states, and then grew. The Vineyard Movement came out of it, and it's just such. It, it, I was really moved uh, by the film, so I'd really recommend. You watch it. Don't watch it before going to bed because I could not get to sleep last night. I was just going round and round and round in my head. Uh, but I really recommend that. So that's the Jesus Revolution. Uh, and you, it's out now. So you should be able to rent that wherever you rent uh, your films. But I have a question for you. Okay. I want you to discuss. Now, I should have a clicker here. Hopefully this will work. That's the name of this sermon. A question. I want you to complete this sentence. The good life is. The good life is. For you, what if you could think and imagine, define what the good life looks like, what would it be? So it could be a good coffee and a newspaper in the morning. It could be a Saturday with nothing in the diary. It could be a Saturday with everything in the diary. It could be a day with the grandkids. That's my idea of a good good life, when my kids are with my, uh, my parents. Um, so have a quick chat to the person next to you and think, for you, what is the good life? What is the good life? And if you're watching online, you can maybe write in the comments below, what is the good life? Right, okay, that's quite enough of that. I won't ask you what you said because that involved getting microphones out and I forgot to organize that. But we're going to look this morning at what Jesus said the good life is, how he defined it. And I can bet almost 100% that what Jesus says the good life is, is not what you said it was. Okay, I can almost 100% assure you of that. But first, we're going to recap where we have got up to so far in charting the journey, the story of Jesus. In the first sermon, we met this guy called John the Baptist. This is not a real photo of John the Baptist, by the way. That I've, I've taken some photos from the series The Chosen, which is, some of you watched that. It's a great series, so I'm told. I watched the first episode, and that was really, really good. And that really follows the story of Jesus' disciples, the chosen ones, and you learn so much about Jesus. I think it's in the fourth season at the moment. It's really, really popular. So you might want to watch that as you prepare uh, um, for Easter. So well, we met John the Baptist, some crazy prophet guy who looked like a prophet, acted like a prophet, and went around baptizing people, a baptism of repentance and preparation for the Messiah, the chosen one that, that Jews, the Jews were waiting for, um, and we get this first glimpse where he says, he sees Jesus coming and he says, look, here comes the Lamb of God to save the sins of the world. We get that glimpse of the Messiah. Second sermon, we kind of skipped a little bit. Um, 
but we, we skip the baptism of Jesus. So John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And then Jesus, rather than launch straight into his ministry, goes out into the wilderness, spends 40 days and 40 nights there. And we're told that he's tempted by the devil. And we looked at how Jesus resisted that temptation. That We weren't here for that sermon. We were at St. Bart for the joint service. But you can watch that online because I recorded it online uh, for you. And then last week, we had um, Andy speaking to us where Jesus started to choose his disciples. And we looked at one particular guy called Levi or Matthew, a tax collector. And Andy uh, had, he said, Matthew, Levi, he listened to Jesus, he believed in Jesus, and he obeyed Jesus. He put down his trade, which was as, as a tax collector, and followed Jesus as one of his disciples. And there's that challenge to us is where are we on that faith journey? Are we listening? We're interested. Are we believing? Yeah, I believe that Jesus was a real and was the son of God and died for us. And are you obeying what Jesus is calling you to do in your life? And we're going to come to something which we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And it's found in Matthew chapter 5. Now, when I spoke to you a few weeks ago, I recommended, if you can, bring a Bible. Because although you've got the app on your phone, I'm old-fashioned because I'm old, um, relatively. And uh, I like, I, can, I find an app is very, very convenient. It seems to be carrying this around all the time. But actually, it doesn't help me to understand where everything is in relation to the other. Maybe that's just me, but actually having a physical copy of the Bible in my hand really helps. So there are some copies at the back. Feel free to get up and grab one. And they're just there underneath the pay machine. Well, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, and the words will appear uh, on the screen. Let me just get... I've got too much stuff this morning, so everything needs to be organized. Here we go. That would be very helpful. Thank you. So here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. There we go. Now, when Jesus saw the crowd, so Jesus was gathering huge crowds. He was teaching. He was performing miracles. He was attracting hundreds of thousands of people. So now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto a mountainside and sat down. Now, it was typical where I'm standing here. I did try to preach sitting from a stall. Brian brought me a stall in, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't sit down. But for, in those times, it was typical for a rabbi, a teacher, to sit down, and everyone else stood around him to teach. So Jesus uh, went up to a mountainside and sat down, and the disciples went, came to him, and he began to teach them. Now, I'm about to read something. If you've got a Bible in front of you, it's entitled The Beatitudes. And that comes from the Latin, which means to be blessed. And he goes on to say, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. It's a repeating phrase that goes through the whole thing. And I just wanted, I spent a little bit of time when I was um, looking into this. And what does it mean by blessed? It's not a word that we tend to use. In fact, we say blessed. I still say blessed. I think that must be a hang, hang up from King James or something. I don't know what it is. But blessed. I kind of thought, it's not a word we use that often outside of religious context. I thought, what is it? And basically it's defined as this. Happy are. Living the good life are. Privileged and fortunate are those who are. And he goes on to list. So we talked about what does a good life look for you? This is Jesus saying what the good life looks like in his opinion. So let's read these words together. Blessed, 
blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How many people had that on their list of their good life? Anyone? No. What on earth is Jesus going on about here? That doesn't look particularly like the good life to me. I mean, poor? I don't want to be poor. There's really a big downside to not having very much money. And in fact, for the Jewish listeners, being poor was a sign of God's displeasure. Those who were rich, they were the ones who were blessed by God. And if you look in the Old Testament, all the patriarchs, all the big guys, all the people who are important came from wealth. King David, Abraham, Moses, all these people experienced wealth in their life. So poor, that doesn't sound blessed to me. Meek, how can you accomplish anything by being meek? Are you supposed to inherit the earth? Mercy? Well, for those people of the day, they were living under occupation. They didn't want mercy. They wanted justice. They wanted victory. They wanted to win. And peace? Well, they were sick of the Roman peace. They wanted to be able to be themselves and be in charge. Persecuted? Falsely accused? Does anyone really want to be persecuted and falsely accused? How is any of this living the good life? This is such a contrast to what we think will bring us happiness in life. And this just, it only makes sense if what Jesus is offering is a radical departure and completely different to the world that we are currently living in and experiencing. And if that is the case, then what is Jesus offering here? Well, I think we can find a little bit about that in Matthew chapter 4. If you just turn up just the page, no, it's just the page next to it on my one. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. This is talking about Jesus in his ministry. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. And this is what he began to preach. These are the words that Jesus spoke. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. In other words, turn around, change your mind, change your point of view, change your understanding of the world and everything that's happening around us. Because the kingdom of heaven is drawing near. The kingdom of the air is touching down on the earth. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time thinking about what is the kingdom of heaven here that Jesus is talking about. Because When we think of heaven, we think fluffy clouds, uh, we think angels with harps, maybe little fat ones. Um, 
It's somewhere we go when we die. And if you're following Jesus, great, I've ticked the box, I've got the golden ticket, I get to go to heaven when I die, great, now I can get on with life, thank you very much. That's not the biblical understanding of heaven. What they understand in the Bible is we have two realms. I've got H for heaven and E for earth. Two coexisting realms happening at the same time. And heaven, heaven is the place where God reigns. So in Matthew's account, he calls it the kingdom of heaven. But in the other gospel, they call it the kingdom of God. They are exactly the same thing. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, the same thing. It's where God reigns. And in the, in the Old Testament, it, it dreams of a time when God's kingdom will come. And he defined God's kingdom as a place where there is peace, there is prosperity, there is abundance, there is no sickness and death, and where wastelands are transformed. That's what the Old Testament talks about, and that's what they are looking forward to. They're looking forward to when God's kingdom comes to earth. And we can live experiencing God's reign in our life. But it wasn't happening. And there was numerous groups of people at the time of Jesus who had different ideas about why that wasn't happening and how they could bring about it. So you had the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, the Pharisees, they were teachers law of the law. They understood the law. And they believed that the reason that God's kingdom was not coming what well, the kingdom of heaven was not being experienced because we weren't being good enough. We weren't being moral enough. We weren't obeying God's rules enough. They so thought if we could just obey God's rules, then God's kingdom will come. Then you had the Sadducees. They were the, the aristocracy, the political elites. And they thought we just need to cooperate with the Romans. If we would cooperate with the powers of the time, they were the power brokers that we could see God's kingdom come. Then you had the zealots. Some disciples may have been zealots. They were people who thought we could bring about God's kingdom through violent uprising. If we fight back, if we get our swords and our spears and we fight, then we could bring God's kingdom about. And then you had others, sometimes they were called the Essenes, who decided they would, would withdraw from society, live in the desert, and just wait for God to turn up. Those were the views at the time. But Jesus... In this sermon, he wasn't talking to them. He was talking to everyone else. The ordinary people, the ordinary folks, the ordinary guys who weren't doing any of those things. They were just getting on with their life. In fact, in the very next verse, he calls them the salt of the earth. And that's a phrase that we've taken. We don't use it so much now, but we take it into our English. It means good, honest, straightforward, but certainly not special. Good, honest, straightforward, but certainly not special. That probably describes us. Not that you're not special, of course. But I don't think there's any world rulers here, is there? I don't think there's any pop idols here. We're just ordinary people getting on with our day-to-day -day life, trying to get on with life. That's who Jesus is talking to. Guys who are poor. Guys who mourn. They've lost so much. Guys who are meek and yet they hunger for justice and righteousness. Guys who are merciful and pure in heart, longing for peace, yet finding themselves attacked and persecuted. 
Now, this is where Jesus gets radical, because he's saying it's you ordinary salt-of-the-earth guys to whom the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, belongs. You will find comfort. You will inherit the earth. You will be filled to the brim with righteousness. You will be shown mercy. You will see God because you are children of God's. And what we see here in Jesus' ministry is these two separate realms start to move and start to coincide, start to overlap. And it's where those overlap is, where heaven touches earth, where things on earth are done God's way. When we start to experience God's reign, his peace, his justice, we start to see miracles. We start to see abundance. This is why in John's gospel, John doesn't call the miracles of Jesus miracles. He calls them signs. Signs that God's kingdom has touched down on earth. Now, this wasn't quite what the others were looking for, because what they were expecting and hoping for was God's kingdom coming fully. And they're expecting them to be victory and taking over and winning and being in charge. They want the Jewish people to be the number one people. That's what they were hoping for. But that's not what they experienced. And I was left with this question. If, if God's kingdom is touching earth, then where on earth is it? Where on earth is it? I met with Mike Williams. Someone, some of you might know who Mike Williams is. He's the minister of Rygate Baptist Church, just up the road. And we met for breakfast on Thursday. This is what we as ministers do. We just meet with each other for coffee and breakfast. And now we do do a little bit more than that. And I asked that question. If, if Jesus is, called, is announcing the arrival of God's kingdom, touching down on earth, where are we seeing it? Why am I not seeing that? In the world around us. In fact, Jesus says you can't perceive it's intangible. Well, that's not much good to me, is it? I want to see, I want to feel God's reign and experience it. I want to see this world transformed by that heaven touching earth. And Mike's a very wise guy, and he's a very clever guy. And he says, actually, where we experience God's kingdom is when we meet and experience the citizens of that kingdom. And who are the citizens of that kingdom? Those people have decided to give their life to Jesus. They've listened, they've believed, and they've obeyed. That for whatever reason, God decides to work his kingdom through his chosen people. Now, you could corporately identify that as the church. That's just you and me, ordinary guys. Not powerful people, not famous people, though there are Christians who are in that position, but just ordinary salt-of-the-earth guys who have given their life to Jesus. And this is key. Are filled with God's spirit. Filled with God's spirit. That when people meet us, they meet God's spirit and Jesus too. And Jesus goes on to say at the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount, which is just about to launch into after these Beatitudes, he says, let your light shine. Let your light 
shine. That is how people are going to experience God's kingdom. Experience peace. Experience the miraculous. Experience healings. Experience something so contrary to the earth that around him, around us. And I love these words of Paul, and he picks up some prophecies from the Old Testament that talks about when God's kingdom starts to come. And the, and the Jews are so used to rules and laws, and it's so easy if you read Sermon on the Mount to see it as just another bunch of laws. But what Jesus is saying here is that we will be transformed, not through obeying laws, not struggling and striving, but being through, filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul says. I'll come back in a bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. That these laws are going to be written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone like Moses, but on tablets of human hearts. Where we are transformed from the inside out through the work of the Holy Spirit. So we shine like stars in the world around us. Jesus changed everything. Jesus still does change everything. He can change everything for you. But I'm still left with that challenge, which I felt particularly this week in preparing this, is which, which, uh, which kingdom am I really a citizen of? Am I a kingdom of earth? A citizen of the kingdom of earth? Am I a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? And if you were reading Essential Jesus this week, and you're up to date, on Friday um, in our reflections, it was draw drawn to our attention, uh, this guy here. Um, his name is Chuck Colson. He's not no longer with us. And I remember reading about this guy um, when I was a, a kid. We had a comic book which um, told his story. He was a politician. He worked for the Nixon administration in the States. He was, uh, someone called him Nixon's hatchet man. He was ruthless at getting things done. And he was called the evil genius of an evil administration. And he was caught up in something called the Watergate scandal, which saw Nixon removed from office. A pretty harsh guy that would do anything it would anything he could to win in politics and gain power. Um, he was sentenced to prison, prison, but in 1973, he became a follower of Jesus. He spent seven months in jail. And when he came out, he founded something called the um, Prison Fellowship. And over the next 30 plus years, he committed his entire life to helping people meet Jesus. In fact, in 1993, he, ran, he won the Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion. Uh, it's awarded to people every year who have done the most advanced the cause of religion, and he won $1 million, all of which he gave to the Prison Fellowship. Here was a guy who shifted from being so part of and ingrained in the earthly kingdom to giving his life fully over to being a citizen of God's kingdom, a complete transformation. I want that transformation in my life. 
And I recognize that maybe I haven't got that transformation fully because in our reflection, it said that on Chuck Colson's desk, it have, had a sign saying these words, faithfulness, not success. Faithfulness, not success. Actually, you could say Chuck Colson was enormously successful with the work he did, but that wasn't what he was pursuing in his life. He was, first of all, trying to be faithful to what God was calling him to do in his life. In fact, Jesus goes on to say in the Sermon of the Mount, he says, seek first what? God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Seek that first. And hopefully, maybe success will follow you, but that is not the reason we do these things. I don't know if I do that. I want to be successful. I want to be known for being successful. By talking to Daz, Daz on Friday says, it's not that I want to be successful. I just don't want to be unsuccessful. It's so true, isn't it? Are you willing to risk not being successful by being faithful to what God has placed on your heart? You see, when we live by earthly values, I think there's different ways we can respond to life. Maybe, and maybe this one of these might resonate with you. I don't know. But maybe you're thinking, if only I could be better, if I could be a better person, if I could behave better, then maybe I will get the things I want in life. So many times I meet people who think, if I were just a better person, if I could be more good, then maybe God would reward me. Well, maybe you think, if I could just be like everyone else, if I could fit in, if I could get on the right side of the right people, then my life will be better. Maybe then I'll be living a good life. Or maybe you're the sort of person that fights against everything. Everything is a battle in life. You're constantly fighting for your position, and your respect. Or maybe you just want to run away and escape from everything. And hopefully you'll find peace and purpose then. I watched Ben Fogel's New Lives in the Wild. And I love that program. These people that have given up everything the world offers seemingly to escape into the wilderness. And virtually nine times out of ten, they're there because they're escaping something in life they're escaping the world and all it offers jesus says seek first the kingdom of god come come to me all those who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light maybe for you the the world is weighing you down you are pursuing things in life, purpose and meaning and peace and security. You're striving and you're working. And Jesus is saying, seek me first. That's what it means to part, be part of, my, of God's kingdom. And you will be blessed. Not because you're pursuing success or whatever it is. But because you are being faithful. It's a choice. It's a decision, it's a journey that Jesus is asking you to take.
we're going to reflect on some questions now and just take this time just to to be still and to think where are you on that journey listen believe obey are you willing to obey even if it means not succeeding let's spend some time now and i'll ask the band to come up and lead us Some, Some questions. questions. Where are you in your faith journey? Listen, believe, obey? Which kingdom do you feel more a part of? Earth or heaven? Is your life radically different because you follow Jesus? Down. There we go. Oh, there we go. Uh, there we go. Hopefully, you can hear us now. Which is a real shame because Richard, that was a really good answer. Oh, but that's good. It didn't go out. No, I, I no. think I, I think you can give us a summary of what you just said. Oh, you can. There you go. You've, you've, you've now got the echo, summary. so we can we can turn that one down. So they're now going to have oh, the this... the echo of that coming back through the microphone oh, and out again. I'm confused. 
Um, I can hear myself <laughs> talking to me. Um, yes. Yeah, so my summary. Um, yes. So I was thinking, what was the question? Remind Is your me. life radically different because you follow Jesus? And I was saying that because I became a Christian a good 20 odd years ago, it's hard to think that I am different, but I, I am. And I think back to how I used to be. Um, I think as you get on in your Christian life, you realise actually uh, more things that are wrong with you yeah. or, or ways you could improve, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a journey. Yes, 100%. How about you? Um, I think the, the question asked is a very pointed question. Is your life radically different radically. because you follow Jesus? And I would say that my life is probably different, mm. but is it radically different yeah. Like I look at, you know, some of my friends who don't follow Jesus or I look at my colleagues or, you know, just other people out in the world. And I go, mm. is my life radically different to yours because I follow Jesus? And it's radically different to a lot of people's. Um, but actually the people that I surround myself with, the people that I would call my friends who I'm who I most like. Mm. Um, is it radically different to them? And I think um, at the core, yes, but on the outworking, is it? Does it look radically different um, to other How people? How could it be more radical then? Oh, far I mean, questions. I'm thinking for, for me as well, but... Yeah, I probably it's a lot of the time finding ways to bring Jesus in naturally. Because I think I don't want to be... Personally, I don't want to be that person who is um, talking about Jesus every minute of every single day because then those people aren't going to want to stick around and then how am I going to tell them about Jesus in other ways? Mm. But similarly, I don't want to never mention Jesus. Yeah. And it's actually it's about finding that balance between, I mean, I don't hugely like the cliche that some very holy person once said um, of um, talk Jesus, use words if you have to sort of thing mm. um which i think is a very interesting sort of take on things actually you know live like jesus use yeah um because mm. actually we should be able to do it in our actions and so i think that's really important but we do also need to use words we i think do. it's all around you finding do have that good balance people that aren't christians yes yeah so it's 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 the reasoning behind it isn't it why yeah. do you why are you doing this thing or yeah whatever yeah yeah, so something for us all to think about mm. and a really joyful challenge as we go into this week. Um, but I think it's also an encouragement that our lives can be radically different because we know um, because we know God and we know Jesus and actually what that calls us to, um, mm. to live that sort of, that higher life. And actually all those, when we read that sort of list um, of the Beatitudes, you know, the, the blessed are, so I'm doing as well, blessed blessed such a hang-up that we all still have as martin pointed out um and actually we we can be all those things um, and we are all those things which is a real mm. encouragement um as well as it is a challenge um but maybe after this morning you guys at home are now thinking i've got so many more questions or this is great but i want to know more or this is okay i get it but i want to i don't really get it um, if that's the case, then drop us an email um, on gotquestions at hollybaptist.org.uk um, and someone will 
get back to you either with some answers or with some advice or signposting you somewhere um, where they can explain a little bit more um, about what Martin was talking about this morning or indeed about anything um, around church and faith and Jesus and any of those things. Um, I mean, you can ask the, your favourite kebab shop in Holy if you want, but we'll probably get back to you still, you know. <laughs> but really, if it's, you know, church-based stuff. Um, but yeah, so... But also do uh, like, share, subscribe, all those things that annoying YouTubers say, because um, it really does uh, make a difference. Um, and it gives us uh, just, you know, the really boring bits behind it, things like the more people that subscribe, the more things that YouTube give us, things like live subtitling. Um, but you have to have a certain amount of subscribers before wow. you unlock that. All those sorts of really boring things. So it genuinely does make a difference. Um, so, but also... Um, share it to someone who you may think may benefit from what Martin said this morning. Um, actually, yes, it benefits us for you to share it, but even more so, it could genuinely change someone's life. Um, you know, we can't underestimate what God can do through a little YouTube video. Um, so do, yeah, share it to a friend, share it to your feed, um, whack it on the grid, whatever uh, works for you. Um, but yeah, so thank you for joining us this morning. That was today's episode of Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We hope it's prompted you to want to follow Jesus, hopefully a lot, but even just a little bit more closely. If you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, you can email us, gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. It would really make our day. If you want to hear more from us, just a reminder, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the Holy Baptist Church app from the Apple App Store or Google Play to hear it as well. Simply search Holy Baptist Church. Thank you again for listening to Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.